We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1982 masterpiece known as The Dark Crystal. The Darkest of Crystals. Yeah. Uh, Made by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. It is a groundbreaking live-action sci-fi fantasy um, populated completely by imaginative, highly detailed puppets. And this movie is a uh, is a, a movie that Grayson and I have never seen until this review. That's so true, Ricky. And listeners may be saying, "Wait a minute! Didn't you just do Neverending Story? And didn't you just a little bit further ago do Labyrinth?" Yes, and yes. Thank you for paying attention. Y- yeah, but you one listener bingo. This week. The Dark Tower comes out, so we thought, what else can we do to relate to Dark Tower like how we did Legally Blonde for Atomic Blonde? And we thought about um, basically The Dark Knight, but that didn't seem too far in the past. We thought about yeah. uh, Tower Heist, um, same problem. Yeah. Um, and we thought about anything with... Um, the the there's a lot there's, of thes and it was like well, that, too many to choose from it's just too derivative yeah um, then we're like oh dark tower the dark crystal then we thought wait a minute what if we did any movie with billy crystal and they were like oh that's right you guys don't know about dark crystal that that was a step in our thought process Billy Crystal would seem super random. So we backed it off yep. <laughs> and landed on the Dark Crystal, which you're right. Neither of us have seen. Yeah. Um, and just to give you guys some context, I have been verbally berated for not seeing this movie. I told uh, like a friend of a friend at, w- at one point in time that I hadn't seen Dark Crystal, and they said, no exaggeration. These were the actual words. What? Were you not loved as a child? And that's crazy because they're a friend of a friend, not your friend. Yeah. So they're not that close. They don't know me. Where do they have the gall? The gall. Yeah. The Chris gall to do that. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I'm glad I was able to finally see it. And oh, man, I, I'm excited to talk to you about this. Uh, but before we get into uh, our reactions, uh, let's give you guys a little bit of history. So work on the film didn't begin until 1979 after the completion of the Muppet movie and it was shot back to back to the Great Muppet Caper uh, which was released in 1981 so it was a time to be a puppeteer and in the presence of Jim Henson because he made three movies within like a three year period so true it's like being a stand up comedian in the 90s just (laughs) take a sitcom What, what a time to be alive um, and even, uh, before that, um, and that's another really interesting thing that I, so I watched this interview with, uh, Jim Henson and Frank Oz on Entertainment Tonight, uh, doing the press junket, uh, back in 1982, and one of the things that he said that was so interesting to me is that he started working on this movie before he had worked on Star Wars. Hmm. Um, and so, he's, he's been 
having this idea to make this movie for a very, very long time, just in his career. Um, even after the success of The Muppets and even Sesame Street, um, Frank Oz... Uh, I don't know why I said his name like that. Frank Oz. Oh, uh, Frank. <laughs> Frank Oz recalled that uh, Jim Henson wasn't afraid to scare children, um, even though that they were really big fans <laughs> of the Muppets. That's quite uh, a quote. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he wasn't afraid to scare children. Frank Oz <laughs> on Jim Henson. Um, but he wanted to get back to the darkness of the grim fairy tales kind of tone, and so that's what he went for with. When it came to creating Dark Crystal, and boy oh boy, did he succeed! Uh, so now there's this kind of rumor that's been going around on the internet, uh, based off of the research that I did, saying that the budget was actually 15 million dollars. However, due to uh, furious googling and actually watching interviews of Jim Henson, in that interview on Entertainment Tonight, someone asked him, "So how much was did it cost?" They said, uh, "Between 20 and 25 million." Um, but everyone said it was 15 million. Here's why Jim Henson had to buy the script back from the studio, um, that oh. was producing it because the studio, the initial test screening of it, the movie did not do well at all. Oh. Uh, people didn't like it because they were like, I don't know what everyone's saying because originally, um, all the different kind of creatures spoke in different languages. No. <laughs> yeah. No, Jim. Yeah. No. <laughs> so people didn't know what people were saying and they were confused and it was dark and it's scary. So the studio basically didn't do a ton of advertising. So in court, Jim Henson went to his bank account um, and pulled out all the money. All, and then, all of it. So he pulled out $15 million to get the rights back to own that movie. Wow. Because he, cause this is like his passion project. Like yeah. even more than any other kind of thing that we've seen. Um, or I guess what people would come to mind when it comes to Jim Henson. Like this is his vision for a very, very long time. So that's where that $15 million comes. I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and yeah, it... <laughs> It did. It did okay yeah. uh, in the box office. It um, it made forty million uh, in the U.S. and it did. It now that's pretty good. Like that's total. That's pretty good. Com- considering that it was released against E.T. Dang. Yeah. E.T. You know that movie. <laughs> Man, Battle of the Puppets. Right? And because in the uh, interview I watched, Jim Henson talked about how, you know, part of E.T.'s marketing um, is that they don't want you to fully see um, E.T. Because you, like, in, especially in all the trailers, like, they kind of hid E.T. a la Jaws, you know, that sort of thing. The Village. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he said he wanted everyone to be able to see these uh, creatures and monsters as they were. And so they were very much in um, all the advertising and all the posters and things like that, whereas E.T. was more shrouded. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. So, yeah. So he just had Jim Henson had a lot working against him on this then. Yeah. Yeah. A, a ton. And it really did become a cult classic. I mean... You heard the story of me being berated by people who absolutely love this movie. Um, and the rentals alone speak to it. Uh, rentals, uh, 
were to the tune of $23 million in the U.S. So That's a pretty catchy tune. Yeah, that is a lot of Rewinding. Crystals. Oh, yeah, crystals. Yeah, your thing. <laughs> yeah. Man, I never knew that he lost the rights of it. That That's crazy that you would have to go to court and like try to get your story back. That seems mm-hmm. really sad. I'm just picturing him standing there in court. Uh, and Jim Henson is like, I just want my story. And then Frank Oz comes in as a character witness being like, he's not afraid to scare children. And he's like, come on, Frank. <laughs> You're not helping. I object. <laughs> oh yes i don't know if you guys remember um but if you go back and listen to our review of labyrinth um jim jim henson um is very close to his projects and after the labyrinth he was very discouraged because of it didn't do as well as he was expecting it to um and so he didn't really do any other project um until he worked on the Ninja Turtles movie. Like he didn't do like a Jim Henson's project. Right. Cause this labyrinth, this predates labyrinth by four Correct, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it, it's amazing to see his resilience because like on paper, like you look at these, uh, the, with the Scarces, the, the vulture people, mm-hmm. they are terrifying. They really are. Uh, I just 1000% nightmare fuel, just pure, clean nightmare fuel (laughs) like i was shocked by looking at these things like when that old when the when that old the the emperor or uh empress i i whatever that thing is when that thing's face like crumpled into itself i was like screaming (laughs) yeah i was watching with my wife which she had also never seen it and she just goes nope 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 Nah, nah, man. <laughs> no, my, my wife saw that part. She just saw like the opening with the vulture's face. She said, nah, "I'm good. I'm. It's a hard pass for me." Oh, but yeah, fancy no, vultures, and I will have nothing to do with it. So, Ricky, I just realized we've been talking about it, and it is a cult classic. And we've now mentioned three people, you, me, and my wife, who have not seen this movie until it was exposed to us in the podcast. Should we maybe recap the story for anyone who hasn't seen it, or maybe uh, it's been a while since they've seen it? I think we're the only ones. They've got it. Yeah, They're you know. Good. <laughs> yes, please. Well, I was just going to read what IMDb said because I thought the phrasing of their synopsis was pretty interesting. Um, where they say, On another planet in the distant past, a Gelfling embarks on a quest to find the missing shard of a magical crystal and so restore order to his world. Now, wow. the thing that sticks out to me is the on another planet and the distant past, which to this seems like another way of saying uh, a long it's time ago in a galaxy, in galaxy far, 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 away. far away. Yeah. Nebu was under the attack. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So replace Gelfling with Luke Skywalker yeah. um, looking for a shard of a magical crystal, substitute the Force, substitute uh, an actual crystal inside of a lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Um, and restore order to his world, substitute that for bring balance to the Force. Um, you got it. <laughs> That's it. And... <laughs> 
really, if you just do all those word substitutions, you can basically write Star Wars in any script. This has been another edition of Movie Mad Libs. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like that. Um, so, an early draft of the script uh, actually featured Jin and Kira traveling through the underworld, like you do, uh, where they found a race of underground mining creatures. Hmm. Uh, which was later integrated into Kama saying along, na 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 words and stuff. It was Fraggle Rock. Oh, was it really? Yeah. So it, oh. it later got turned into Fraggle Rock. Another fun fact is Jim Henson offered at the time 22-year-old puppeteer, you know him as the former puppeteer of Elmo, Kevin Clash, a job on the film. But since Clash was busy with Captain Kangaroo and the Great Space Coaster, uh, he had to turn it down. But then he later became a regular member on Henson's puppeteer team, including his work in the Labyrinth as the Fireys um, and Elmo on Sesame Street. So he bounced back. Yeah. He threw away his shot and picked it right back up. <laughs> uh, one of my uh, favorite characters of this whole thing, though, is Fizzigig. Um, oh my gosh. The the little yes. dog like BB eight rolling style uh furball. It really mm-hmm. is. Fizzgig is the perfect combination of BB eight and Chewbacca. <laughs> Slash that little robotic thing that Chewbacca scares away that just rolls down the halls of places. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so fun fact for both of those things. Both of those were uh adapted remote control. Uh, little uh, like cars, like oh. the little like pull and pull and play kind of cars. It was like a modified version of that. Huh. I like yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, Dave Goals uh, or Goels uh, Goals, um, he did the voice of his gig, which you may know him better as Gonzo. Hey, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So in the research I did and uh, listening to that interview with Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Frank Oz, I found out that, you know, how how similar to how Jim Henson's resting voice sounds a lot like Kermit, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Oz's resting voice found, sounds exactly like Fozzie Bear. <laughs> it was amazing because I, I hadn't listened to him talk for long periods of time just in his natural voice. I'm just like, that's Fozzie Bear. <laughs> you know who is a chameleon, though, hmm. is Tim Rose, who played the treasurer in Dark Crystal, but is more commonly known as Admiral Akbar. Ah, it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's go ahead and dive on in to our reactions. So what'd you think about watching Dark Crystal for the first time? So you're right, Ricky. I didn't have the benefit of watching this with childlike wonder. Um, only jaded adulthood. But <laughs> I was deeply able to appreciate it for the hero's journey that it maps mm. out very clear um execution of the hero's journey literal caves that they're going through um literal elixirs being attained yep. um and so i can see why jim henson fought so hard to get it because this is the kind of story that you're like i want to create a lasting original epic this is that story um, and he does, it's a very original concept. Um, not the idea of a 
like a young nobody having to go through trials to become a hero of a world or anything like that. Like we've seen that several times. The thing that was super original to me was the idea of balance between good and evil um, being the same entity. Mm. Uh, and that to me was super interesting. Um, yeah. That the, uh, uh, the vulture people, I forget their name, the Scaris, Scary, Scarim. Yeah. We'll call them vulture people because that's going to get old <laughs> if we keep stumbling over that word. Um, and the mystics that they actually, spoiler alert, are the same entity that was separated in two whenever the, um, the crystal was fractured. And I thought that was a very original concept. Um, oh, yeah. And the way that they hint at it when there's the injury on the hand of one of them and then it shows up on the mystic. Um, and when one falls into a fiery pit and the other one just burns up out of nowhere <laughs> and his friends are unfazed, um, like that is uh, very interesting to me. And I thought it was executed really well. Um, so my reaction to that was I was like, OK, this is this is something that I have not seen before. I don't remember seeing. Um, and I, w- I was very impressed by the structure of the story. But it was a uh, a good experience. I'm glad I watched it was my oh, ultimate yeah. reaction. I was like, I'm really glad I've seen this because I've heard about it for so long. And this, it delivered on what I expected in that it's fairly 80s-tastic, um, but has solid story and incredible puppeteering with fun voice acting to it. Yeah, totally. Like, when I first started watching it, I didn't know what to expect other than something in the vein of... Uh, labyrinth mm-hmm. and watching it like first off i was i was taken aback a little bit tonally because i thought because i was expecting for like the vulture pe- people to be uh more slapsticky just because that's what you typically do or i think that's the way to go with really terrifying characters is that you kind of make them a little bit goofy like uh krill the vill for example she in 101 dalmatians she has these two bumbling idiots as her henchmen. Um, but then at the end, you see her crazy, swirly eyes, and you're just like, I'm terrified and filled with nightmare fuel. Uh, so th- I think that's what I was expecting, but it was just they tonally c- completely took me uh, by surprise because I wasn't expecting it to be so serious of a story. Um, and I was expecting something in the vein of Neverending Story where even though the story was serious, it still was a little bit light in tone, just in the sense, like, you had some funny side characters and some banter. I'm just like, so when's that happening? Not at all. We, we get the, the dog. That's the clo- All right. Buckled. Buckled up. Buckled up. Um, so, yeah, overall, it just took me by surprise because I wasn't expecting that because you think Jim Henson, you think, oh, this is going to be so fun and heartfelt and family-filled. Um, and it was, I mean, it was still heartfelt, but it was just terrifying. Like I was like when, again, when that bird's face started just like crinkling away, I'm just like, what am I watching? <laughs> and I think that was, uh, I think that's there. Basically they did that up front to just let people know. Yeah. Yeah. Now's the time to leave. Yeah. It's Death only- is real. Death comes for us all. This is yeah. what it looks like. <laughs> The narrator, like, we were 10 minutes in. I, I looked at the timestamp, I'm like, 
10 minutes in and they have said the word death, referring to three different people already, and we haven't even gotten started yet. Yeah, when the mystic died and just faded away, my wife referred to it as the Yoda blanket that just kind of <laughs> like slowly falls. Yeah. You know what I'm just now connecting? Is that he died because of the other one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that until like just now. Oh, but but it's the violence of the evil death versus the the grace and dignity of the uh like wise or the good death. Yeah, the Yoda blanket. Yeah, that's the word I'm uh, looking for. Yoda blanket. <laughs> but seriously, like that bird, like that bird saying, "I'm still king." <laughs> His face, like just deteriorating, is. <laughs> Something you can't unsee. I feel like if this can't. were a, just a really dark Muppet movie, he would go, I'm still king, and then crumble and die, and then everyone would laugh. <laughs> I know we all have to face death, but he can't face anything! <laughs> I've heard of dry chicken, but this is ridiculous! <laughs> Marley and Marley. Well, that made me sweaty. <laughs> well, I think it's time for us to put the next shard in this podcast. Nope. Sounded way better. I We've we've said that even before Dark Crystal though. <laughs> Son in law, Beetlegeist. Let's just put a shard in it. <laughs> Let's put a shard into the crystal known as Head Cannon. <laughs> Oh, a head cannon. <laughs> head cannon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film Grayson. Ricky. We, I would be remiss. I would be remiss <laughs> of my duties in this podcast if I didn't further explore the Star Warsiness of this. Uh, In the interview I referenced uh, with Jim Henson and Frank Oz, Frank Oz stated that, hey, this movie is like a world made entirely of Yodas and ETs. To which I said, thank you, Frank Oz, you beautiful Fozzie Bear sounding man. Uh, (laughs) And Jim Henson said that he started working on this work before Star Wars. Which only leads me to believe that this world, this world that takes place in a galaxy far, far away, um, is in canon with Star Wars. Not only in canon with Star Wars, but after the the crystal is uh, whole again and the good and evil kind of become whole and just like one being and they ascend off into, I guess, the universe as metachlorians. Um... They continue to build their world, and I don't know about you, but if I were to build a world where this crystal was all-powerful, and they, he said, hey, you now have this crystal, build it however you want, I would probably make some kind of... I would break the shards into tiny, tiny pieces, so that there was no one singular crystal, so that it didn't have as much power, but when harnessed in a little mechanism, it gives you a beam of light. Nay, a saber of light. A light saber. Straight to the top. And <laughs> that Jin, he begins, you know, in his old age to start to 
kind of becomes slower. He he becomes he he was under the tutelage of like these natural wizards is what they called them natural w- wizards hmm. uh, the people who raised him. So he started to you know still live his life under their teaching and started to uh, take to some of their ways as well because it's I mean they're now gone basically or now a part of the force so he then began to be the keeper of this older way of life this this old republic of life Jin is Yoda oh the ears yes the question asking (laughs) so does that mean that you think Kira is Yaddle yes from the Jedi Council Yes, I do. Oh, man, I really like that. Thank you. So, it's funny that you have this as a prequel to Star Wars, because I have it as a prequel to Indiana Jones. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think the more accurate title of the fourth Indiana Jones film is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Dark Crystal Skull. Oh, yes. Spoiler alert for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull if you haven't seen it. Um, but <laughs> uh, it's mainly, the, I, I got the idea because of the actual throne room around the Dark Crystal in this has a very striking uh, similarity to the the Crystal Skull Kingdom, that the, the staging area that you see at the end there. You're so right. Where, so my idea is that it's not actually aliens that they like have you believe. This is the uh, the aliens that you see in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull are the merged form of the scary birds and the the oh, mystics um, that yes. have come back to collect the possibly the skull of Jin or some powerful figure in their culture. Um, I like to believe that it was Jin's skull that over time he like grew to be like the merged form of the mystics. And the scary birds. We really should have learned how to say the scary bird's name. Uh, but the to be able to resolve that story through Indiana Jones, that this is actually not a distant planet, but it is Earth before anything else began, uh, I think is a, a more satisfying conclusion to that um, that Indiana Jones story. And even Absolutely. the way the light shoots out to everyone standing around the side, it's, it's the same way that it shot out to the, the members of the Dark Cult. So, wow. Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Dark Crystal Skull. That is fantastic. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show called Recast and Remakes and Recut. Um, if this movie were to be made today, which, fun fact, there is going to be a new series with the Dark Crystal. Oh. Um, yeah, it's going to be a Netflix original series called Dark Crystal colon oh. Age of Resistance. But it is a prequel series um, about how the Scary Birds came into power um, and all that jazz. It is coming out this next year as of this recording of the podcast. So there is that. But yeah. If this movie were to be remade today, what would the storyline be? And who would you cast? Um, I would love it if all the scary birds came back to reprise their roles as said scary birds. Um, But at the same time, I think it would be really cool if they did like a Lion King version of Dark Crystal. Oh, like a stage adaptation? 
Yes, where you have the people who have these like puppets that they're holding like above them or like they're wearing the costumes and you can very clearly see them. So it's more abstract and avant-garde kind of mm. looking. So cuz I think it would still this would be a really f- cool way to see just all the work. Like imagine six people just like on stage like operating the birds, but you actually see them. I think that would be really really cool. That would be cool. Yeah, if we're if we're talking about a remake that still maintains that that kind of precision and puppetry, I would love to see uh, see something done in the style of like Paranorman or Kubo and the Two Strings, where it's stop motion Ooh. puppetry. Uh, I I think they could really explore a lot with that and still get the same level of detail, if not more, than what they had in in this movie. Um, but especially for like a Netflix series. I think it'd be super interesting to um, to see it in that that style. All right, now we're going to um, put the final shard in the crystal uh, <laughs> with our final segment: reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the 1982 film The Dark Crystal? I recommend The Dark Crystal for two reasons. One, it is a very clear and strong example of the hero's journey of creating this epic. Um, event in a character's life that takes him from weakness to strength. Uh, Second reason what I was really impressed with was the anthropology of this world. It is a world realized um, through Jim Henson's eyes and I highly recommend just digging into it. It's worth even a second watch um, if, if you've only seen it once before to just appreciate all the details that are there like the variance in language and the the wardrobe and the way that they eat and just all of the different um, idiosyncrasies that make up the, the people groups. And then also the characters within those factions uh, super well thought out and uh, just a great study of character and world building. That's awesome. I think what I'd recommend um, about dark crystal is just like, if you've ever admired the art of puppetry, like this movie is it. It is such an amazing work of art. Like, again, I think we've mentioned this uh, before, but there's a school of thought that you have uh, two different kind of uh, broad stroke categories when it comes to motion pictures. You have movies, which are typically just made for the general public. But then you have films, um, which are the art pieces, like the pieces that are not necessarily meant to appeal to like a super wide audience, but is meant to tell a very specific kind of story and is meant to appeal to um, almost like a higher art um, genre and category. I think this movie does that a lot. Like I, I, I can see why not a lot of people would like this movie, uh, especially with knowing Jim Henson's background. Um, But man, I see this as like a film. Like Mm -hmm. this movie is, so entertaining and uh, intricate. Just the sheer amount of love poured into this is just amazing. And like he, Jim Henson put so much on the line for this. And it's really, I think even though we would typically think of Jim Henson's artwork uh, to be most realized in the more family friendly kind of content, I think that this, right here just shows you like the a real measure of like 
his artistry and his direction. And I don't want to um, leave out Frank Oz, who also uh, oh, yeah. directed. Frank Oz, who directed and was um, with Jim in the visioning of it, um, played a role in that as well. Like that team of people uh, did such an amazing job. So, yeah, if man, just this this movie, <laughs> I'd recommend it. Absolutely. So that is our review of the 1982 film, The Dark Crystal. Let us know what you remember about The Dark Crystal on Twitter and Instagram. In both places, we are at Flashback Flicks. And please leave us a review. We would love it. It really helps this show out and it helps people know that this is the podcast to go to for Scary Birds and Puppet Star Wars Headcanon. If you head on over to the iTunes app, you can leave us a review there. Leave us a review uh, on a scale of one to nine scary birds. Uh, Nine being the scariest of birds. One being the bird. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Mm -hmm.